Welcome to Seen and Heard Industry Updates for the Modern Dairy Family. My name is Darby Toth, and I'm a Technical Field Services Representative with Western United Dairies. And my name is Melissa Lima. I'm the North Coast and Organic Field Services Representative with Western United Dairies. And welcome back. Yeah, we're rolling in through a really strange heat wave in the valley here, right, as everybody's trying to do some, some groundwork. So I think the heat's supposed to break after this weekend, so I'm looking forward to that. Dang, Darby. Well, I'm a little bit jealous. I don't know if 107 is really on my agenda, but it's like 53 degrees and foggy here today. So I don't know. Maybe we can both be jealous of each other. (laughs) I think we both can uh, agree that we're stuck in our houses a little bit more than usual. Good news. I did hear, though, that they're opening up salons next week. So I think we can all rest easy after we get our hair cut and and it can emerge back into the world, hopefully here pretty quick. Yeah, but I'm, I'm surely ready for that. Well, Darby, um, today we have a good episode. We have um, a few fewer segments than we've had in the past couple weeks, um, we, but we had a really great back and forth with Jennifer Giambroni um, of the California Milk Advisory Board and Tyler Ribeiro talking about advocating. In addition to that, Annie and I sat down and um, in lieu of a market update this week because of the short week, prices weren't out at the in the timely manner that they usually are. So we had a Q&A about some in-depth member questions on the Coronavirus Food Assistance or CFAP program. And then finally, Rochelle brings us an update from Luke. I believe all our work um, workers were placed this week, but she has a little bit more info about how members can become engaged with the Luceros Unidos program. All right, and I think we're just about ready to jump in with you and Annie and the CFAP update. Well, I'm joined again by Annie Akmudi, Western United Dairymen's economist. Welcome, Annie. Good to be here. Thanks for joining us on a, on your little vacation week this week. We really appreciate you taking the time. Um, we've all been getting a ton of questions about the Coronavirus Food Assistance or CFAP program. And so we decided to get together this morning and just go over a few of those questions to hopefully answer um, and alleviate some of Dairyman's anxiety over this program. Yeah, I think the process has not been extremely straightforward. So it, it's created a lot of stress for people who want, you know, answers right away. Yes. It, when it boils down to it, the, the actual application isn't too bad. And, um, you know, getting all your information in there is pretty simple. It's just a matter of getting through all the kind of um, questions that come up throughout the process. So I guess we'll start out with um, the number one question I've been getting this week from my producers on the North Coast is, what about our coal cows? We saw a real um, dip in prices for coal cows in March and April. And so guys are wanting to claim those. Can they claim coal cows and how should they do that? Yes, that's been a big question because part of the documents say that, you know, a lot of the other cattle um, used for or intended for dairy production are not eligible. And so there was a little bit of a unclear area, but it turns out that dairy coal cows are eligible. Um, it's just you can claim those that were sold between January 15 and April 15 of 2020. Um, it's just the dairy inventory can't be claimed. And so on, on the form, there's a line for, you know, cows sold, and then there's a line for inventory. And so the dairy cows can be counted. It can't be counted in the inventory, uh, but the dairy call cows can be counted in the, in the cattle sales. And so they go under, um, you know, cattle slaughter, um, mature cattle. Great. 
Well, that's a good, that's a good answer. The, the form gets a little confusing. I had a lot of guys ask about inventory. So thanks for that explanation. It's pretty important to designate between what you sold and what your inventory is. Right. And that's this why it's the same that, you know, you can't claim um, selling dairy heifers, for example, because uh, technically animals that are intended for dairy production should not be counted. And that's why there's a little bit of a, a distinction there. But the, the form is very straightforward. So if, if you look at it and it doesn't make sense, feel free to give Melissa a, a call and we can um, hopefully straighten things out. Absolutely. Um, the next question I've gotten any from a couple producers is about their silage. Some guys make more silage than they need and they sell it. And some just have a little bit extra on hand this year. So um, how do we handle our silage production? Yeah, silage um, can be counted even if it's intended for feed. Um, so basically there's a conversion factor uh, that needs to be used to, to convert from tons of silage to bushels of the original grain. And so there's a conversion factor um, for uh, six of the commodities, uh, barley, corn, sorghum, oats, soybean, and wheat. Uh, silage can be converted back to the original commodities and the other ones um, don't qualify. So if that's something that, you know, you're under the $250,000 cap and you're trying to um, see if you can get some dollars from the silage production, then um, you need to, to, to convert your silage um, to the grain production. And then you should be able to get some funds for that. Great. And then for our producers on the North Coast, just a kind of a side note, um, forage crops are not counted yet, but um, according to the USDA website, they're doing some research to see if they should include forage crops in another round of funding. So if you're growing um, pasture-based silage crops, keep your ears to the ground and we'll let you know if those become available for uh, payments. Interesting. Okay, Annie. So um, the question we already mentioned a little bit, but a lot of folks were getting advice from different organizations that they should count their young stock or their heifers in the inventory um, for a payment. And so what is the guidance from FSA about including young stock or heifers in inventory? Yeah, I think we kind of got into that a little bit with the, the previous conversation. But yeah, they, dairy cows, um, you know, cows intended for dairy production uh, should not be counted in the, um, in the inventory. And so if somebody has, you know, does beef cattle on the side, for example, now that's something different and that could be... Um, included, but, um, the, the, the others, um, for, you know, dairy cows cannot be included. Okay, great. And then I think, um, another really popular question, and I have gotten this especially a couple of times today is what is the process, um, for submitting your application and engaging with FSA? There's been a lot of mixed messaging and, um, what do you recommend? Yes. Yeah, so there's been a lot of variation depending on uh, counties. I think some of them are handling it maybe a little bit better than others. Um, and so the, the process, obviously, ideally, it would be to talk to somebody at your local office to see what's their preferred method of receiving the application. But if you've already dealt with FSA, you don't need to make an appointment. You need to fill the application form, uh, the AD3114, that can be found um, on the farmers, um, farmers.gov slash CFAP. And you can print it, sign it, and then return it either by um, email, fax, or uh, physical mailing. And again, if you can talk to somebody at your local FSA, they might have a preference on that. So it might be good. But if you can't get a hold of them, or you know they're they're insisting that you delay your application. Um, currently, the, the you know, national FSA is advising producers to put their application in 
it, especially if you're already dealing with FSA, if you're a new uh, producer, then you should definitely try to make an appointment. But if you've been dealing with, you know, dairy margin coverage um, and FSA knows you, then you should send your application because they can't process the payment until they log your application into the system. And so the earlier you can do that, then hopefully the earlier um, you, you can receive the payments. Great. And just a reminder for producers, as with every piece of paper that we submit to any agency, make sure you keep a copy on file and make sure you mail it via certified mail. So you have a paper trail should anything go wrong with the postal service or where the mail ends up um, that you have a a paper trail that you did send it in. Yeah, that's a really good idea because, you know, FSCs, I mean, I think they're overwhelmed by the, you know, number of applications and people contacting them and so you know that something can happen and if your paper get lost and you're two months from now and they said they never received it that would be um that'd be really a, a big problem so yeah keeping track um of, of when you send it and ideally um trying to get a confirmation also that they received it so even if it's certified maybe you know a week later call the office to make sure that it actually made it in great yeah i think all good tips, all good information for producers. Anything else we should know, Annie, before we um, continue on this food assistance program path in the next week or so? No, I think uh, so far, you know, if you have any questions, you can check out that website I mentioned, the farmers.gov slash CFAP. <clears throat> but it's still, um, you know, if you have follow up questions, uh, feel free to reach out to me or Melissa. And there's also a, a payment calculator. And so if, if you're one of those um, dairies that, you know, the milk production is not going to reach your cap and you're trying to add on, you know, silage or livestock, then it, it can give you an idea of what kind of payment um, you're going to get. Because the, the milk production payment is pretty straightforward. We mentioned that a few weeks ago, but it's basically $6.20 per hundred weight times your first quarter of 2020 production. So there's not um, a whole lot of complication there, which is which is nice. But if you're trying to add on other things, it gets a little bit more cumbersome. And so that that payment calculator might be a, a handy thing to look into. Yeah, and one thing we notice on the payment calculator is if you are adding multiple um, claims. So if you're doing your your milk production, your cold cows, and your silage, up in the um, upper right hand corner, there's it'll show the red number that shows your total payment, and that includes you know it's the eighty percent of the total. So it tells you what kind of a check you should be expecting, which is pretty handy for producers that aren't getting the cap. They kind of know what they're going to be expecting once that check comes. Yep. Great. Well, thanks so much, Annie. Hope you have a great rest of your weekend and we will probably check in again next week with more questions. That sounds good. Have a good one. As we mentioned in the beginning, Darby had the opportunity to chat with WUD board member Tyler Ribeiro and California Milk Advisory Board's Jennifer Giambroni this week about the benefits of advocating issues with anti-animal ag groups and how dairymen can share their stories on social media and elsewhere. Yeah, it was a great conversation. And if you've thought about getting into that world or you're just interested in how someone is representing you in that world, then it's a great listen. And I'm excited to jump right in. Okay, so today we have Dairyman Tyler Ribeiro and Jennifer Jambroni from CMAD on the podcast to talk about social media and how producers are using this to connect with each other as well as the non-farming population. As we get started here, could you each introduce yourselves and kind of give us some background on who you are, who you work for, and what you do? Maybe, Jen, if you want to start. 
Sure. Um, my name is Jennifer Jambroni. I'm the Director of Communications for the California Milk Advisory Board. So we're the marketing checkoff for California dairy. Um, you'll mostly recognize the Royal California Milk Seal, which represents all of the milk that comes from our farm families. And we are funded by California dairy farmers. My job is uh, communications, so to a variety of audiences, not only to consumers, but also to food service, retailers, and of course to the dairy community, and hopefully engaging the dairy community in communicating directly with consumers themselves. All right, great, and Tyler? Yeah, uh, like you said, I'm Tyler Rivero. Uh, I am a dairy farmer here in Tulare, California, where I farm with uh, my dad and my brother. Uh, also very fortunate to be running the Dairy Dad page on social media uh, where I get to show you know, what we do as dairymen and as dads. Um, like I said, I'm very fortunate that I get to bring my kids out here and uh, get them to work alongside me and get a whole new learning experience that uh, many of us, uh, at least for myself growing up, may have taken for granted. Uh, so. I love sharing my story and uh, thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you both so much for being here. And Tyler, since you kind of started us off talking about your page, I know a lot of people in my kind of circle really enjoy following along with your family and your kind of everyday life. Uh, I really enjoy following along with the adventures of Hey Hey in the backseat of the car. <laughs> um, would you mind talking about, you know, why you started with this presence on social media, what you do and some of the opportunities that you've had? Yeah, so it, it all started uh, when I, it came to light that I didn't realize there was such a gap uh, between our gate and the consumer's plate. Uh, I didn't realize that there was a, a gap to fill. And so when I started the page, I did it for the purpose of showing who we are as dairy farmers. What do we do? You know, let's open up. Uh, this black box that people think we've got and really show them who we are, what we do and make people feel confident in the product they're buying now. Um, I got to bring in a little side that I really like to show as well is the, the personal side. I like showing that a lot of us bring our kids to work. A lot of us have our kids playing in the cotton seed or climbing hay bales or eating almond holes out of the pile or whatever it might be just hanging out with dad driving tractors and all these crazy things that people think are absolutely insane but just showing the human side of us and putting a face to the product yeah and jen i think you've probably seen somewhat of an upsurgence in producers like tyler there aren't too too many but can you talk a little bit more about Kind of how that's starting to shift and how some producers are interested in sharing their story on social media yeah it's interesting uh the the way you prompted that um when i started at cmab 10 years ago one of the things i was really passionate about was that consumers didn't want to hear from me as a spokesperson they wanted to hear from the dairy community um, and really truly connect and Social media has given us these channels directly to consumers and an opportunity to connect in a way that no other media really offered to begin with or, or you know, had created. And, you know, at first, 
um, producers were a little tenuous about, you know, kind of being out there and advocating. But at the core of, you know, the dairy farmer community, the dairy family community, it is all about community and sharing stories and sharing your lives and sharing food, the food that they produce. And so I think that, you know, some of it was just getting comfortable with technology itself and being on social with the people you interact with every day. And then taking that leap to sharing it beyond has gone a lot more smoothly and, and obviously quickly over the last several years because people see the value and also the opportunity because as Tyler said, you know, this, this disconnect, there's so much misinformation um, and people are turning to their friends and neighbors instead of the actual farmers who never really have been private about what they do. They've just been hardworking people who are just doing the job. They're out there producing dairy products. They're supporting their communities in ways that people don't get to see, you know, the support um, in their communities, with their churches, with their local sports. Um, you know, they're, and they have distinctive shared values with consumers. Whether you live in downtown LA or you are, you know, in a rural community in Tulare, you have the same shared values. You want to raise your family, you want them to be healthy, you want them to be well-nourished, and you want to be part of your community. So connecting those two has been so important. And so having people who are willing to be out there like Tyler um, and, and be very present and very proactive saying, here's who we are, this is my family, this is what we do on the farm, and then demystifying some of those practices. It's been really, really rewarding and really fun to see the growth too, because you know it's not just you're kind of out there doing it as a job. You know, When you see Tyler's um, channels, he's having fun with it. Like he's out there having fun in the things that he does every single day. We get an opportunity to kind of view that vicariously through his chance. I agree. I think it's just so interesting to watch the way that people, and, and for those who don't know and are listening, I'm 25, so I finished college a few years ago and live with roommates who were in agriculture, weren't in agriculture, and it's been so interesting to watch and see how people are influenced currently in the way they think about certain things or their buying decisions and a lot of these people that are on Instagram or on Facebook are are sharing information with huge groups of people. And I think helping make the connection between producers that are really authentic and sharing their lives with those people that influence so many others has been such a, such a neat thing to see producers starting to do. Um, I think there's so many good sides. We've talked a lot about the good sides of sharing your story. And I know that Tyler, you've kind of seen a little bit of the side that maybe some of our producers have a little bit of fear about when they when they put their lives out there. Would you mind talking about that a little bit? Yeah, you know, and Jennifer touched on on part of this is that that fear, that scary part that what if what if somebody says something, you know, what if somebody comments something bad or, you know, how do I handle these situations? And, you know, this past week, uh, like you alluded to, you know, I, I, I made uh, some acquaintances, if you will, um, <laughs> with the uh, other side of the aisle, so to speak, some kind of nutty uh, vegan activists. And they made it their 
weekend long effort, I believe it was, to harass my page and start arguments with people that were commenting on my page and just be really nasty. Um, but it hasn't changed my life at all. And that, that's the part that people don't understand is, is these people are from all over the world. I've had some people in UK, I think, and they just, they just, they're, it's a small group of people just wanting to start a big problem. And the majority of the people that are out there, they, they want to hear your story. They want to hear our story. They want to know what's going on on the farm. The vast majority of people that consume dairy, that consume beef, they are side with us, even though they don't know too much about what's going on. Now, why they don't know very much is our fault. As an industry, we haven't been known to being very proactive, if you will. And so that's where this whole push for social engagement from the farm level has been so important and so neat to watch. Like ever said that the growth that we've seen and people sharing what we do has been awesome. But part of that has become or is because people feel more comfortable. People feel more comfortable going out and sharing what they're doing because they have the tools or the resources if things kind of get out of their comfort zone. Um, for, for example, when I started getting attacked, and uh, attacked is a really strong word for a pest, but when people started coming on my page and started saying horrible, terrible things, it, it didn't bother me. You know, a lot of people, it hurts their feelings, but I, I felt like it was a good, a good time to let the dice roll where it may and really see what these people want to say and what they want to do because the game plan for being attacked it doesn't matter if you're in dairy or whatever if you're being attacked or bombarded by hateful speech a lot of people will tell you shut your page down for a bit until it blows over but when you do that you don't really get to see these crazies come out of the woodworks and how nutty their responses are and the theories that they have around dairy and the storyline that they're telling people. Now, I'm not much for letting people tell lies about myself or my neighbors, my friends, or this industry. So we have to, we had to decide, you know, who are we going to let tell this story? Well, it's going to be, it's going to be us. It's going to be the dairy industry. And letting them spew their, whatever it might be, their false truths, their lies on this page, I felt was a really good learning experience for everybody in the industry to see how far these people have flown the coop, how, how far removed they are from what's going on in the stories that they're telling and how important it is for producers like myself to really stand up and start telling the truth because these people aren't going to stop telling lies. Somebody needs to tell the truth. Now, with that being said, it's really neat when I talk about tools, uh, the checkoff came in. I really threw them a curveball by going live and, <laughs> and, and, you know, really taking this head on. But they were they were with me uh, uh, along the way for this, which was amazing. I didn't expect. Um, I'm kind of the canary, if you will, to see what happens. Uh, but the response was great that we got from CMAB. They helped with um, managing the page a bit, uh, helping weed out some of these crazies that really don't want to learn 
they do just there to cause problems and bully and spread hateful speech and uh, really stayed with me and checked in on me as we went along until the page really calmed down. So it was really nice. You know, we've seen a really big push in social media presence from farmers and uh, CMAB is really stepping up their game and staying with us and helping us along with it. Jen, do you maybe want to share a little bit about CMAB's resources as far as this goes? Maybe not for something as drastic or even bad as what happened to Tyler, but for just anyone who's interested in getting started and sharing their story. Um, I, you know, not everyone is willing to put themselves out there as proactively as, as Tyler did and, um, and uh, kind of take the hits. I, I will give him kudos just as an aside because he doesn't get flustered at all. But not everyone is willing to, you know, kind of be the punching bag. They want to share their story, but they don't maybe don't want to be as um, uh, as involved in responding to people who are a little bit, uh, you know, on on the activist side of things. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of things that that we can assist any producer who wants who's already on social or wants to kind of get involved in social because again, going back to that, the most authentic voice for dairy is gonna be the dairy farmer and we wanna give them the tools um, so they can share their story, um, whether it's a small audience because every single farmer is an influencer to a variety of groups. And, and we really feel like every single person they reach is an opportunity and an, an opportunity to connect. So uh, we've done um, social media trainings. So we actually kind of talk about getting on channels. And this was a little earlier on when people were really getting comfortable with Facebook and Instagram. Now we've got a lot more um, people who are, have been using the tools regularly. You know, Darby, you said you're 25. So for you, the idea of life without the internet probably doesn't even like compute. But uh, <laughs> when we first started talking about this, it was, I'm not getting on that face thing, you know, um, so people are a little more comfortable there. But, you know, providing some trainings on that side, uh, we do some media trainings with like leadership groups to talk about kind of winnowing down messages. So people can really get to the core of what you want to deliver. You know, these are channels at the end of each one. Each channel is a person, a person to connect with. And you have to kind of sometimes think, I know so much about this industry. But if I only have five seconds or five, you know, two minutes to connect with that person. What's that one message or those two messages I want them to take away? And for each producer, that's really could be different. For, for, for one person, it might be about animal care. And for another, it might be entirely about the nutritious, you know, package that dairy provides to families. And so we do some message training to help you kind of really tease that out and then winnow that down. And then, um, you know, trying to trying to on your pages, if you are in the in the midst of an attack or maybe even anticipate um, that something could happen in California. Unfortunately, we have a lot of very um, active groups uh, who believe in animal rights and they're all about um, being disruptive to the industry. And so um, internally, we have a communicators group that talk, you know, that shares information if we know there are activists doing trespass. But we also try to tease out if we think there's going to be more of an online attack. Now, Tyler was subjected to what is a more coordinated attack amongst activists with the whole shelter in place order. 
Unfortunately, it means a lot of people are at home in front of their computer with a lot of time on their hands. And so they can coordinate these things and spend basically a lot of time really focusing on one channel, you know, one particular farmer's uh, social channel um, and then move on to another. We're going to see more of those. It's just kind of the, the, the reality of um, where people are right now and, and where the activist community is, is shifting. So we can kind of talk through with a producer their, you know, their setup of their page, putting in keywords that would be banned, um, specifically things of, you know, with cussing and things like that, that you just wouldn't have on your page at all. Um, and then some procedures in terms of, you know, if something happens, who would you call or how do you vet some of the comments? Because sometimes they're very legitimate questions consumers have, and sometimes they kind of follow the activist playbook in terms of terminology that they use and they're not really looking for information. They're just looking to to dump a lot of hate on your page. All right. Well, thank you so much. It sounds like there are just so, so many great resources out there. And I'm always so excited to see, to see someone new, one of my producers kind of pick up their Facebook a little bit more, pick up their Instagram and start sharing about just their everyday lives. Um, kind of as we wrap things up here, is there anything else either of you would like to add? Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind. Um, it, the biggest thing about sharing your story is to not be afraid. When sharing your story, you, you need to be confident in what you're doing. We've been doing this, and my family's been doing this for over 100 years. Things have changed, but we know what we're doing. The, the producers here in California, they know what they're doing. And if asked, they should be able to answer any question that's thrown at them because it is the truth. We're, we don't have any storyline that we're trying to pull any lie across anybody's plate. We're, we're here selling the truth. You know, people don't understand that milk is a byproduct of a relationship of humans and animals. You know, milk is a byproduct of happy animals and people don't understand that. Uh, so spreading, spreading the truth, being confident in what you're doing and knowing that the, the resource, there are resources there available to you if something like that ha happened to me happens. You know, if, if for some reason you start uh, getting out of your comfort zone, um, we're all here to help. I, I know CMAB's there and there's a whole resource of different uh, social media uh, dairy pages that are a click away uh, that would be more than willing to help. So, you know, for those that are interested in sharing their story, be confident knowing that you're not alone. And there's a lot of us here that are willing to help if you start getting out of your comfort zone or to help you prepare as you're building a page. So just be confident. I, I would add, and I, I, I love what Tyler had to say, because the dairy community as a whole has always been 100% supportive of each other across the board. Farmers support farmers. And in social media, it's the same. I see so much support from, from the people who've gone before, who've built bigger followings on social, and the support that they provide to the other farmers who are just getting started, looking for advice, looking for support. You know, there's a whole community of advocates that are out there. They've been there. They can offer advice. 
we at CMAB, we want to help you if you want to get involved with social media or you're already there and just looking to maybe make some changes, you know, contact CMAB at askus at realcaliforniamilk.com. Um, give us a call. If, if you have any problems, you know, let us know. If you see any warnings about, um, you know, things that are kind of bubbling up that you're concerned about, we want to make sure that you feel like you have the support you need. Because like Tyler said, we don't want you to be afraid to share your story. It's so important. It's more important than ever before. And right now we also have a little bit of a window where people are actually looking for information and looking for credible resources because they're spending a little bit more time online. Um, and it's a real opportunity for us. Well, thank you both so much. Um, I know it's it's a busy time of year, which I feel like at this point, I just have started to say every <laughs> single time of year. Um, but I know it's a busy time of year. And so we really appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast. Thanks, Darby. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. Hello, Darby members. Have you heard about our program, Lecheros Unidos de California, is a new labor program for Western United Dairies, and it's offering free to members. The only thing you have to do is contact our office at 209-527-6453 and ask for Rochelle. You can email as well with your labor needs or questions at rashell at wudairies.com. Lecheros Unidos of California provides all types of experienced workers to dairy families all over the state of California. Let us know who you need and we will help you fill your positions. We do the advertising and interviews to find you a good match. Get on the Lecheros Unidos of California list today. You never know when your dairy will need the help. Remember to call the office number at 209 527 and we will be glad to help you out. Thank you and have a nice day. Well, thanks so much, Rochelle. That rounds out a great episode this week. And we want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening. As we all know, uh, big things are coming up in the next few weeks. Dairy Month kicks off on Monday, June 1st. And here at Western, we're working on a couple special projects just to, to show some love to our dairy producers across the state. Um, one of those things we'd love for our listeners to do is nominate a dairy family for our Dairy Family of the Week segment. So we're hoping to feature two to three dairy families weekly on our Instagram page. And Darby, um, you run the Instagram page, so want to share a little bit about how that might work? Yeah, I do run the Instagram page. Um, no one come at me with sticks and knives now that you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, we're just going to be posting uh, one of the dairy families or two of the dairy families each week. We're going to share a little bit about their operation, their history, and kind of how they run some current practices today, just so everybody can get a better idea of the base of WES membership, what kind of special dairy families we have all over the state. Great. Well, if, if members would like to nominate themselves or another dairy family, shoot us an email. That's wud.com pod at gmail.com or you can just email Darby or I and um, send us their name contact info and a couple of photos we're really hoping to see some good 80s and 90s hair so make sure to include some older photos if you can that's what I'm looking for I want some competition with the Idsinga family 
Oh, was too, I don't know. They're they're winners. I don't know. It's <laughs> going to be hard to beat. It's the denim and the hair. That's the winning dairy photo combo. Love it. <laughs> well, we're going to try something new this week since we didn't really have any member questions not specific to CFAP, which we covered earlier with Annie and Melissa. So we thought in honor of National Milk Day and June Dairy Month coming up on Monday, we're going to mix it up with a little bit of a trivia game. On the line is some really cool, fun wood swag and a famous moo bar, which Melissa will be contributing. So if you know the answers to the following questions, send us an email. You can text Melissa or I, or you can DM us on the Instagram with your answer and a mailing address. And we're going to choose three prize winners on Monday, June 1st. Yeah, and we'll send you some swag. If you haven't had one of those Moo Bars, you're in for a treat. They're locally made with real dairy products here in Humboldt County um, and real dairy products only. Uh, get a lot of questions about that coming from Humboldt, but they're delicious. And um, we have some really fun swag we're going to put together for you guys. And um, we'll give you a shout out on next week's podcast and, and our Instagram as well. So Darby, we'll start out with question one. The first question is, what percent of U.S. milk production comes from California? Okay, question number two. What is the highest dairy producing county in California? And that data is as of 2017, but still true today. And our third question is, what year did California surpass Wisconsin in milk production to become the top dairy producing state in the U.S.? And I'd like to add, I know everybody has access to a smartphone and the internet, but please try and answer these to the best of your ability without using technology to make it fair for everyone. Okay, I think this will be a fun game, Darby, a good way to engage our audience both on social media and here on the podcast. So um, we hope to get lots of fun answers and and comments in our email inbox. Just a reminder to email us with the answers to those trivia questions. Any other questions, comments, or content requests, you can email wud.pod at gmail.com. That's wud.pod at gmail.com. You can email myself, M-L-E-M-A, at w-u-d-a-i-r-i-e-s.com. And Darby, they can also reach out to you, D-A-R-B-Y, at wudairies.com. Yep. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform so you get a notification every time a new episode drops. Great. Well, we will talk to you all next week. Look for some fun content for June Dairy Month, and we can't wait to hear your trivia answers. Have a great weekend, everyone. Special thanks to Western United Dairy's 2020 business sponsors. Gar Bennett, California Dairy Magazine, FNR Ag Services, Farm Credit Alliance, Moss Energy Works, and Yosemite Farm Credit. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. If you'd like more information about how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at woodairies.com. That's I-N-F-O at W-U-D-A-I-R-I-E-S dot com. 